And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably and you know, doing that thing where they help entrepreneurs learn about all of the pitfalls and joys and struggles of being an entrepreneur. They help, they help you do that too through the Startup Hustle podcast. So today, I have to tell you, I am so stoked for, for today's guest. Um, as you well know, at this point, I have a, a major Jones and a major focus and love and passion for women. It's my thing. And we have with us a thought leader in an area that I have little explored, but I'm looking forward to doing that tonight. We're going to be talking about femtech. And we have with us today Dr. Brittany Barreto, and she is co founder and executive director of Femtech Focus. So we are about to kick off a really fantastic conversation. Dr. Barreto, thank you so much for tonight. Definitely. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, you. You got it. <laughs> so, so let us, let's hop right into it. Uh, my question to you is tell us, you know what? I'm going to start like, I, I'm going to start at the very, tell, what, what is femtech? <laughs> That's a, honestly the perfect place to start because most people think that it's women in technology, which yeah. I love. I mean, we need more female founders. We need Feminism. More female founders. <laughs> but um, what femtech actually is, is an industry of innovation for women's health and wellness. And so it is medical devices, it's therapeutics, it's digital health. It's anything that is addressing things that solely disproportionately or differently affect women. So oftentimes solely you would think about um, menopause, periods, um, endometriosis, uh, differently affect women. So um, the paradigm for what a heart attack looks like is chest pain and a numb left arm. But actually that's the symptoms for men. The symptoms for a woman's heart attack is massive fatigue. And so oftentimes women die because even doctors don't know, weren't didn't symptoms for women. And then right. third is proportionate. So disproportionately affecting women is like autoimmune disease, Alzheimer's disease. So um, that, those are the things we're addressing. And we have male founders. I love our male founders. Uh, but we are all in it fighting for women's health equality through innovation. That's amazing. So, so just a, a little bit of context for you, I guess. Um, so Innovate Her KC, we actually had an event a while back where we talked about those disparities in health yeah. outcomes. And that was and that was actually one of the, the big topics that we talked about, the symptoms of a heart attack, how they present differently in women versus men. Another thing that we talked about is the fact that there, there you often see disparities in health because um, there is unconscious bias mm-hmm. in healthcare against women and in communities of color because you know you go into a doctor and you are in pain and sometimes that pain is minimized by your healthcare provider and so there is 
Yeah. So, so, so it's a really important conversation and the fact that you are working in a field that seeks to address it, just, we're not worthy. <laughs> well, so, I, you know, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I love femtech because, uh, you know, I'm an activist for women's rights, but I feel like I can actually move the needle when I say, um, you know, we're going to make a product that actually makes a difference, you know, and I yeah. feel encouraged when I can actually influence capitalists to care about uteruses by saying you can make a ton of money uh, if you invest in women's health because there's so much demand and no supply. Um, right. So I, I like that I'm actually moving the needle in it. That's amazing. So and, and I love that you you kind of gave me a really nice segue because my next question, you're, you're talking about why you are personally empowered to do the work that you do. And I'd like to hear more about how you came to do the work that you do. So mm -hmm. what did your path to the femtech industry look like? So my squiggly story. Uh, oh, I love it when you're squiggly. <laughs> I am uh, a massive nerd, giant nerd over here. Uh, I love science. And so I actually have a PhD in molecular and human genetics. Uh, while finishing my PhD in genetics, I realized I had way too much personality to work in a laboratory for the rest of my life. And so I started to explore other careers that PhDs could do. Uh, I discovered entrepreneurship, felt like I found my tribe, um, a little bit of crazy, uh, a lot, a whole lot of chaos, um, a whole lot of passion. Um, so I just, I found my people and I had a crazy idea for a DNA based dating app. So merging my entrepreneurship and spirit with my DNA background. And, yeah. and I created a company called Faramore and Faramore was the first nationwide DNA based dating app. And so we match singles using a DNA test to look for your pheromones and predicting who you would have, honestly, who you'd have the best sex with. We called it physical chemistry. And uh, I did it's that. really I, beautiful I, euphemism for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I... Um, Today, I think I would rebrand it to be like, just get it, girl. You know, like, <laughs> I learned that side away from it. But so, so how, effective, how effective was the app at predicting compatibility, would you say? So the science is very, very, very strong. Sorry, I guess my dog wants to make an appearance. He loves awesome. when we're living. We, we, we are animal lovers around here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you see me petting my lap, it's, it's him. It's, um, not that, it's not that kind of show, folks. It's not, not, like, it's not that weird. Um, okay. uh, so the science is real. But the thing is, is that humans are so damn complicated. And so yeah. the science is actually based off of pheromones and physical chemistry. But humans, we date people based on political leaning, based on yeah. uh, education status. We base it off of race. Right. And so um, at the end of the day, I could use science to tell people who they should date. Uh, but at the, uh, at the end of the day, we have so deep internal biases that sometimes that sure. kind of got in the way. But um, so is that nature versus nurture kind of converging in who we choose to mate with? Is that what we're talking about here? Uh, totally. And also that like humans have kind of broken out of this evolutionary thing where we're, we are mating based on uh, bias and not genetic strength, if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. 
Well, so so it's no longer survival of the fittest or the strongest will out. It's more a the geekiest is what really you know gets my motor revving kind of deal, or yeah. the, the funniest, or the tallest, or well, oh, actually yeah. that's a genetic trait. Never mind. That's actually <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, okay. Well, I love that, um, yeah. and I, I kind of wish I were single at this point because I'd love. <laughs> Why? Like, I, I'm like, I would be your guinea pig 100%. Yeah, we, uh, our tagline was swab, don't swipe, because we had a cheek swab that you'd take, and oh, it, was, it was so much fun. So I fundraised about $1 million from Angels in Texas for that company, and I built and scaled, and I made so many mistakes, so many mistakes. Now I know yeah. I invest in serial entrepreneurs because I am so much more likely to succeed this time around um, versus the first time. But uh, I had a great time. Uh, sure. Unfortunately, in March of 2019, Apple changed their policies around who can ask for DNA in the app store. And dating apps okay. are no longer allowed to ask for your DNA. We got kicked off the app store. And do my series A. Do, do you know why that change was made? Well, actually, as a geneticist, I think it was a really smart move because um, previously they didn't really have rules around who can ask DNA in the app store because nobody was making apps that asked for your dna and then all of a yeah. sudden you know we're getting into 2018 2019 and people are making apps anyone can make an app and anyone could technically say spit in this cup and send it back to me and uh, as we get further into genetic you know technologies at some point people can sequence your genome in their garage technically you know not yet yeah. necessarily but it's coming and so i think actually as a geneticist it was a really smart move to start making rules about it but as a business owner, it totally sucked. <laughs> I, I I can definitely see that, and I and I feel like you know part of the entrepreneurial journey is is success for sure, but definitely failure and heartbreak. And I mean that's got to be way up there. It's such an integral part of your your business plan, and all of a sudden, mm -hmm. oh, can't do that anymore. That's so really so what? When when that happened, what was your response? Like, like, I know what you ended up doing, but how did you feel and how did it kind of inform the way that you went next? Um, well, I will uh, just, you know, be open a little bit for any other founder that may be in it right now uh, to kind of normalize it. I was so stressed my hair was falling out. Um, I was so stressed because I was having an identity crisis because at that point I had become a more lady everyone in Houston Texas like in the entrepreneurship community they knew me as a Fairmore lady so yeah. there was literally like an identity crisis where I was like who am I um and so if you're a founder listening to this and you're at the point where you think you need to close it down and you're like falling apart you're it's normal <laughs> it's normal and you're gonna get through it i promise i promise pick up some meditation and yoga you are so worthy <laughs> it's fine right. um and uh so honestly what motivated me into my next thing was that i was broke and <laughs> needed a job immediately i didn't have any savings i didn't have anything so i immediately looked for a new job and uh just so happens there was a venture fund called capital factory it's the most active fund in texas based out of Austin, and okay. they were looking for a Houston-based senior venture associate to launch their Houston branch. And so I knew the Houston uh, scene really well, and they hired me, and so I became a venture capitalist next. 
Wow. So was it uh, was it a bit of culture shock going from the entity who typically asks for funding to the entity that typically gives funding? Like, what was that like? Well, I'll tell you, it's a hell of a lot less stressful when you're the one with the money. Um, sure. <laughs> than being the, the one begging not falling out. Like, did, did <laughs> yeah. those locks came back? At, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So okay. I was feeling a lot better. Um, but one of my biggest lessons, honestly, was that I had always had this fear of investors because I thought they were so much more smarter than I was in terms of especially business and finance yeah. and that they just knew all this stuff that I was ignorant to. Um, and then I became one and I worked with VCs and I met lots of general partners of huge funds. And I realized that a lot of them were idiots or they were just plain people. And I was like, hey, wait a second. like founders shouldn't be scared of you, you know? Um, yeah. And so I just really, I got to see like the power dynamic was actually just this uh, illusion that I had made up. And I think a lot of founders make up. Um, and so I really decided I want to be the founder's advocate. I want to sit on the investor side, but I want to tell them, I don't want to just tell founders, no, I want to say no and fix these slides or yeah. never say that thing again. And I bet the next person might say yes, you know, like, because I think a lot of people know and move on, you know? Yeah, no, I, I love that because I, I know, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs here in the Kansas City area who like they, they, they talk to VCs on a regular basis. And then, you know, they, they just never hear yeah. the whys and the how fours, like, why, why wasn't I selected? Why didn't I get tapped? That is, yeah. um, that's fantastic. I, yeah. Thank you. For that um, I love that attitude yeah it's my pleasure I meet a lot of founders that you know they're like what I shouldn't do that I've been doing it for six months yeah. <laughs> I talked to 100 investors none of them told me don't do that and I'm like yeah yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you yeah. um well, unfortunately at you know not unfortunately but it just so happens at Capital Factory Houston-based investor a lot of the deals I was looking at were oil and gas and um, not that I don't think oil and gas is, you know, good investment or whatever. And like, but I do love the earth. <laughs> and also, um, I just kind of thought those companies were super boring. Like talking about AI for oil shipments. I was just like, God, I'm just not motivated. Um, and yeah. I came across an industry that was very new called Femtech, as we just talked about innovation in women's health and wellness. And I just fell in love. I love femtech because it's a lot of science and I'm a scientist and nerdy. It's a lot of women's um, uh, like activism because yeah. we're, it's not about the future of women's health. Like what could be, it's literally like innovating to get women's health on par with men's health. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what we're so doing. It's what, instead of like the future, it's, this is actually happening right now. <laughs> so exactly. yeah, no, I love that. Exactly. So let me let me ask you this, um, and I, I do want to delve much more deeply into what uh, into specifically what femtech looks like and how it can kind of revolutionize not just an industry but a a societal paradigm. Really, yeah. like that's what we're talking about here. We're talking yeah. about systemic, deeply seated problems that we're trying to solve. Um, but the, I, I want to ask you a really quick question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, and it is it is related to venture capital. So I'm going to pop us back to, you know, back to the future kind of deal. Uh, but talk to me about about VC 
and, and women. I'm wondering if you have any insights from your time as a venture capitalist. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think there are very few people out there who don't know that there is a deep, deep discrepancy in funding for women versus men. Um, and then that problem becomes even more dismal when you start talking about women of color. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. Um, I went into venture capital with the like motivation to get more female founders funded. I thought that was the answer. When I became a VC, I realized that's it's a good fight to fight, but I actually think it would be a lot easier if we what we fought for was that there was more women uh, investors, more women general yeah. partners of funds, because then they'll naturally fund more women founders. Um, and so that's kind of my my ideation of where to fight the fight kind of changed a little bit. Yeah. And I actually, uh, I one time I met Scott Kapoor from Andreessen Horowitz and I asked him, hey, like, how are, how are you getting more women controlling capital? Yeah. And it's so funny because when you say innovation, technology, women, the only thing that people think about is fund female founders because that's like the only phrase we've ever apparently said. And so right. like when I say femtech, people think, oh, females in tech. And I'm like, actually, there's other ways to think about women or how right. do we women to control capital again immediately think oh how do i fund women so he starts going talking to me about how they're looking at more deals with female founders they're increasing and i said scott that's not what i'm asking i said how are you getting more women in the deal room saying we need to invest in that that this deal or that and he was like he actually gave fantastic answers scott if you're listening i loved your answer (laughs) way to go scott kapoor (laughs) in the past um they had never had a female GP at Andreessen Horowitz because they always were looking at their inner networks of friends and people they knew and their alumni groups. And what they realized was that, well, if we got rid of that like requirement and we looked for someone who was like the expert in Bitcoin, all of a sudden it was a lot higher of a chance that it could be a woman. And so um, I, I was really appreciative. I mean, I was sad that it like, he they realized that like two years ago <laughs> but uh I, i'm grateful that it's starting to shift yeah that's so that's really interesting to me and and i as you're talking i i just know of so many like i i 100 agree with you like i totally think that we need to have more female and female focused um investors in the room because I, so, so female founders, like they're, they're kind of my bread and butter and much like you, like, I mean, we just, I'm sure between the two of us, we know a bunch Mm -hmm. of female founders, you know, people who are consistently seeking venture capital. And I can't tell you how many female founders I know who come to me and say, you know, I was in a room and I, I pitched my ass off and I know that I have a great product and a great, like we have, you know, we've validated the idea. We've done the product testing. We have the traction and some investor at the table said, well, there's just not enough market for it, or I don't understand it. And the fact mm-hmm. is, well, that's that's more of a you problem than a we problem at this point, because there, there is, just because it's a problem that doesn't affect you doesn't mean that it's not a problem and that there's not potential for penetrate, like market penetration, you know? So that's really, that's really fascinating what you just said. And thank you for allowing me that little detour, but because I, I just... I knew that you were going to have some amazing thoughts on it. It actually fits really well with 
femtech because can you imagine pitching something for vaginas yeah and if there's no vaginas in the what room if you don't have one <laughs> like you know. not in, so i always say investing is two things it's logic how big is the market what is the business model what's your right. credentials and it's also intuition having this feeling of like oh i know that like there's something tugging at me at this deal like i know this is the emerging market that's coming or i know this is an issue for me and all my friends and so when you're talking about menstrual blood or menopause yeah. hot flashes if they have never even heard about this there's no intuition right, right? and unfortunately for femtech usually the sample size for these male investors is an n of one and it's usually their wife and you better hope that wife is that one out of three women who have incontinence. You better hope that wife is one out of right. 10 women that have endometriosis. Because if they're not, they're going to, unfortunately, very often what happens is that they say, I knew it. I knew this wasn't a problem. Well, how unscientific is that? You have to hope that you have that, that, that you know, visibility, but you also have to hope that that wife is comfortable talking about those things and that they are open with their, their spouse. And so that I, yeah, I just, I couldn't agree more. Um, really quickly, I do need to, to hop in here and we need to do, we need to show some love to Full Scale. Uh, Full Scale is this episode's sponsor and just want to, you know, tell you that if you are looking to build a software team quickly and affordably, Full Scale is the way to do it. They, we love them and they sure do love us because they allow us to do all of this. Uh, so I just wanted to, to throw that out there. Um, and, and yeah, I, let's, let's get right back into it. You know, one of the things that I want to, to kind of talk to you about is, is, um, in your work, you often have to talk about things that are pretty taboo, right? Um, I mean, you're literally wearing a hat that says, has the words vulva and vagina on it right now. Um, and I, I love that, like that. Yes. <laughs> you know, but one of the things that I, I want, I think one of the mountains that we kind of need to climb and correct me if I'm wrong in femtech would potentially be just normalizing discussions around some yeah. of these things. Like, yeah, let's talk about, you know, women's health is a really pretty way to say, to, to cover some really not what we, what we don't traditionally think of as pleasant to think about, you know, like, yeah menstrual blood and these, you know, scarring in your uterus and like whatever mm -hmm. it is, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about some pretty, pretty hard topics. And so I want to, I want to kind of talk to you about that. Like, what is, what is that like? How do you get people to sit up and pay attention to something that they don't necessarily want to pay attention to? Well, I think it's a combination of my personality. I don't know what it is, but I'm totally comfortable <laughs> talking about it. Um, yeah. So it takes somebody to being able to talk about it in a way that is, so, it's not shameful. I'm not aggressive about it. And I think people really just kind of lean into like, she seems approachable. She says the word vagina and she seems friendly about it. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, second, although my PhD is in genetics, it's not even women's health. It's not an MD. There's something about being Dr. Brittany um, that people are like, oh, she's allowed to say vagina, you know, yeah. like there's some no reason I have permission. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I'm using that to my advantage. And then third, I think that we are actually at the best time ever since forever in our history able to normalize it and be able to talk about it. I think that with the Gen Z coming up, they're the most open-minded, you know, generation. We got um, yeah. women being raised by strong moms 
uh, you know, men being raised by their mom and they're, you know, starting to hear this stuff, you know, we're starting, I think that we have a woman who's the vice president. We have a uterus up in there, right? Like we, so I think that we're in the moment now that it's um, maybe it's still taboo, but I think that people even realize, why do I feel funny talking about menopause? I probably should like, I shouldn't feel yeah. weird about that, you know? And you just got to open the door. And I think what? people will the rest of the way. <laughs> You know, well, so, so, so I think that's great. Um, and I do, I, I think now, now we have, we have reached that point in time, Dr. Barreto, where, where we're going to need to talk about what exactly femtech is and what it looks like in your world. So, so talk to us a little bit about that. We've, we've kind of given some context. We've talked around some issues around it, but talk to us about, talk to us about femtech. So. Femtech Focus is a nonprofit that I started because I, you know, came across Femtech, fell in love with the definition, said, I want to work in this industry. And I actually was looking for jobs at a Femtech fund. I was like Googling Femtech funds, Femtech conference, Femtech meetups. And I realized, and this is 2019, I was like, where's the Femtech things? Like, where's the infrastructure for femtech? Where's the accelerator? Sure. Where's the... And all, all I could find at that point in 2019 was one femtech fund, and that was Portfolia. There was no conference. There was no virtual network. There was nothing. And so um, I was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. I feel the founder in me. Feel the fence. She's coming out. And I yeah. knew I needed to build something for the industry. And so I started a cast in March of 2020. So it's almost a year. Femtech Focus, Spotify, and iTunes. And uh, I just interview people that are thought leaders, innovators, doctors, uh, policymakers um, about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Done over 100 interviews to date, which I think I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who's ever done that many. We're the only yeah. Femtech podcast. We have um, about 13,000 listeners in countries. And um, what that tells me is that people are eating it up. They, they, yeah. they're just like, oh my God, I need to know about this. So we started a podcast for awareness. We do a lot of research and publications in order to, um, you know, not let investors say, well, that market doesn't exist. We want to publish papers that right. say, oh, actually it's a $600 billion market, you know, like, and here's the number of women and that, you know, education through data. Um, and then we yeah. also, I'm all about empowering the founders, especially these are, these are femtech founders, men and women, mostly women, which is pretty dope, but you know, both genders leading these companies yeah. and what's in their core is that women deserve more. Women are dying without this innovation. And I just, I love that that's their passion and yeah. I want to do whatever I can to help them succeed. And so femtech focus, we do a lot of you know, just networking, connecting the dots for people. We're so siloed in Femtech, so we're bringing it together. Um, we do bi-weekly webinars called Femtech Fundamentals, where I give a, a lecture on how do you make a pitch deck uh, without wasting six slides on what is menopause? You know, like how do you do this? Um, and so that's that's what we're doing. And, and we're also getting the investment game because there are some investors that are tuning in saying, wow, you're right. This is the right thing to do. Where do I put my money? And then I got all these startups that have really amazing traction and deal like amazing companies and uh, we're matchmaking them. Yeah. 
That's incredible. So, so you said that that femtech focus is a nonprofit, and and, and mm-hmm. I find this like I, I find your your trajectory very interesting because you've gone from founder like like traditional when, when you think yeah. of like startup founders like that highly scalable technology solution that yeah. you know has has a great growth potential like you started there yeah and around a very sexy topic um mm-hmm. you know pheromones dating <laughs> sexual wellness you started there and then you went to the other side and you became a vc and now mm-hmm. you are in the nonprofit world yeah. which is that's a little bit of a mind fuck. I'm not gonna lie. Like that, you are you are kind of you're all over the map, sister. Uh, what has yeah. that? What has it been like to to helm a nonprofit when you come from such um, for profit? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you know, it was honestly it's all strategy. So um, when I started it, we were a podcast, and I knew we wanted to do events that educate people, reports and research. All of that yeah. screams nonprofit. And I'm a businesswoman, and yeah. if I can get Slack for free, because I'm a 501c3, I'm gonna do it. I don't. We don't pay Absolutely. for most of our programs because we're a nonprofit. Yeah. Um, get sponsors for my podcast by saying you can write this off because we'll say that it's supported by, you know. Yeah. And so for me, it really wasn't about like, oh, I want to, I want to be a nonprofit like martyr. It was more like, how can I make? Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody really does that. By the way, like no. that's not, that's not the thing. It's like you you are in it for the cause. You're not in yeah. it for the money, and certainly not the prestige. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for me, it was just a it was a business strategy, and, you know. Um, and and listeners, I'm I'm learning along the way, and uh, I'm I'm always quick to put my hand up and and be open to saying learning which way I should go next or what I should could currently be doing, you know, but for right now, it's the right move. Yeah. Well, I mean, congratulations to you. Now, now I'm going to ask, and this is just a fun, this is a question that's just for me for funsies. Um, there, there's really no other reason, but, um, I just want to know, like you have your, your fingers in the pies of, and your finger on the pulse of so many really interesting technology companies related to women. Um, what are some of the, the coolest innovations that you see coming down the pipeline? Man, it's I, I know that's a really tough question and like you don't have to name by name and you don't have to pick just one, but I just I'm really curious as to what you've seen that you're just like, wow, that is not only is that so needed, but it's so disruptive as as a a product. <laughs> All right, I got some for you. Um yeah. it's, it's so funny that you say which is the coolest because they are actually the most basic and that's what okay. makes them the coolest. Well, because they're gonna have the most impact, right? Yeah. So, yeah. all right, so here's one, um, Materna Medical. So it's been forever since ever, ever since women have started having babies. When you have a baby through your vagina, it is very often that your uh, bottom's gonna rip. You rip from your vagina to your anus and everyone's just accepted this as status quo. And apparently nobody's ever thought, maybe we should do something to like help women's vaginas, like not rip because of all the consequences sure. that happen afterwards. And so Materna Medical is actually the first med device uh, in clinical trials right now. Uh, it actually helps the vagina spread while the baby's coming out. And so the woman doesn't have to rip anymore. Yeah. Again, super basic, 
super simple, but yeah. but very well. And I think isn't there like a really high incidence or likelihood of infection once you're once the tissue down there rips? Like, and that's super dangerous. Yeah, as and well. it's your uh, it's all your pelvic floor muscles, and so that's what yeah. leads to incontinence, not being able to hold your bladder. One in three yeah. women are literally peeing their pants every day. Um, yeah. Also, the number one reason women are putting into nursing homes is from uh, pelvic organ prolapse. So the weaker your pelvic floor is, your that's yeah. the number one reason women are put into nursing homes. I do have to admit, like full disclosure, folks who are who are listening, when when you used the word "rip," Dr. Barreto, I did kind of go like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I did have like a very visceral reaction to that. So, so thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> so that's, okay. so that's, that's really cool. Um, anything else that you want to kind of. Okay. So now, so that was kind of like gory, right? Here's another, this one's kind of fun. I, you know, um, I, I, let's talk about it. Let's normalize it. But yes, I did have yeah. just, a, uh. yeah. <laughs> so this one, uh, this one, this woman, she's amazing. Her name's Frances. She's out of Los Angeles. She was a baker. And she's yeah. uh, married and um, she's on birth control and her husband would ejaculate inside of her. And she was going to the bathroom being like, why is this so that I have to use all these tissues and towels to like clean my up after sex? It's like, why couldn't yeah. there be like an actual like for women? And so her company is called Awkward Essentials and it's sexual hygiene products for women. And her first product is called Come and Gone. And it is a sponge on a stick for women to use and post-sex cleanup. And she is birthing it. I say birthing instead of killing it. It's a femme technique, but she's totally birthing it. She's got like six figures in revenue and like it's her and her parents' garage, you know? Like it's crazy that women were like, oh my God, we needed this, you know? And she's so yeah. fun with all of her marketing. It's like really creative and, and fun. And um, so it's also like, People ask me, what should I do in femtech? Literally think about a daily life of a woman and probably anything could be innovated. Yeah, it's true. I, I mean, there. I mean, the fact of the, the matter is like there, as far as I know, like for, for the longest time, there were very few innovations in women's healthcare. I mean, the tampon has been the tampon, the tampon, the tampon for a very long time, yeah. uh, you know, and like you, you might see like small innovations, like, you know, plastic applicator, like what have you. But for the most part, like if you looked at a tampon 20 years ago and you looked at one today, it's like, oh, that is very recognizable to me. Um, so, so that's interesting. Um, well, I don't know. I was just, I was very, very curious about that. Um, so, so I want to take it back a little bit back to the, well, a lot back to the, the 10,000 foot view. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you, give us some, give us some information. You're, you're a science person, so I, I'm sure you're all about data, but, you know, give us some of the information when you talk about the information that Femtech Focus puts out there. Why mm -hmm. is this work? important like what if you could have our, our audience leave with one takeaway as to why there needs to be a focus on femme focused technologies mm -hmm. what is that reason um uh, where do i okay let me give you just some big ones to take away with you yeah. um this is an easy thing to quote so if you're listening feel free to take this back bring it to a dinner party tell your friends your yeah. family 
Today, as a 29-year-old woman, I am twice as likely to die from childbirth than my own mother. Maternal mortality rate is on a steep increase. Specifically in the U.S., we have the highest maternal mortality rates of any developed country. And Black women die three times more than white women during childbirth. And brown women die seven times more than white women. And so that is why we need innovation. Because literally women are dying from childbirth. The thing that you may imagine would be totally figured out by this point. And it's not. Um, It's not. I think that people have this like conception that like, oh, we're, we're such a highly developed country. And the fact is like, we fall behind on a lot of health metrics, but some of the most concerning are definitely related to women's health. Yeah, that's right. Another one, again, you can take this one to the bank, bring to a party, talk about it. Uh, Women, it was illegal for them to be in clinical trials until 1993. So any drugs that hit the market before 1993 were never tested on a woman. And so- uh, women have five times more uh, side effects than men do because it was never tested on, on our metabolism. And so women are most often prescribed the male dose, even though our metabolism is that of a woman. And yeah. so uh, a great uh, example of that is Ambien. Ambien breaks down in men's biology way different than women's. And so um, they we need a very different dose, but it took like two decades for doctors to finally realize that. Yeah. Well, well, so, so that is certainly food for thought, um, you know, concerning and, and sad and angry making all at the same time. But the fact that we have leaders like you who are putting the spotlight where it needs to be is and it's just right. It's bright. You know, I yeah. do not want to lead an organization that every day is like, damn, life is the worst. <laughs> Like, yeah. This is not the company I want to run. That's not the podcast that we yeah. have. We want, you know, underneath of it is like anger and like frustration. But on the top, it's like, well, then let's do it. Like, what an opportunity. Yeah. We Amazing. are we are in this. We're gonna make yeah. some change. We're gonna save some lives today. You know, that's- yeah. And like, let's get on board. And you know what? As an investor, let's make money, right? Like. let's do this let's invest in this let's change women's lives um it's i it's actually my favorite industry of work having worked in dating having worked in oil and gas like a bunch of different industries femtech's my favorite one because we're so collaborative it's it's my favorite yeah well so so we're gonna i'm gonna ask you the human question and I, i forewarned you that this was coming yeah. And I think I'm actually going to, I'm really, really interested to hear your response to this one. And I love this question and I think you'll probably love it too. Um, but tell me, who's your hero? Ooh. I'm sure you have a lot, but if you could just name one. Or um, we could, I mean, we could say hero, we could say Shiro or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Who, who do you look up to and admire? I honestly, I look up and admire Michelle Obama. Okay. Um, she presents herself with, and politics aside, y'all, literally, she just presents herself with such poise in an environment of such chaos. I yeah. aspire to be like that because I'm very emotional. I'm emotionally driven. I'm passionate. I have a deep fire in my chest, you know, and, and sometimes I can be someone who reacts. I can e- reply to that email way too fast. I can make my, you know, I have a face on that people, I'm like, oh, that's rude. You know, like I I need 
to think about like, how can I show up as a leader because it's bigger than just me. And I feel like Michelle Obama just always shows up and is like positive and strong and calm. And that's just something I, I really aspire to be more like, even in the face of, of people doubting her or saying negative things. Yeah. In addition to all of those things that you just said, which I heartily like agree with, mm-hmm. also got to say those arms though, man, like I, I, I want them. I need them. Like that is a oh, physical perfection right there. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, well, I cannot tell you how appreciative I am of your time today, Dr. Brittany Barreto. I keep using like your full name because I haven't gotten a permission from you yet to say Dr. Brittany. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. If that's not cool. So I'm just like, well, fine. I'll just say the whole thing. Cause I definitely want to get that doctor piece in there. Like, oh, it's really important to me. like look at how badass this woman is. Um, but Anyway, thank you so much for being with us here today and telling us about Femtech Focus and talking to us about innovations in, you know, women's health and in women's lives. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled. Um, If your listeners were inspired today, they think, wow, that's juicy. Like, I want to learn more about that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So wouldn't wouldn't be a an appropriate or awesome startup hustle episode if I didn't thank full scale one more time for just being incredible sponsors to us and allowing to do this work that we all love so much and that we love to share with you. But if you are looking to build a software team quickly and affordably, full scale is it's got to be the way to be. They are they are awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Full Scale, and thank you, listeners, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to us and learn with us, and we will catch you next time. Talk to you later. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.